Okay, think of every, think of every wonderful sensual experience you ever had. Could be sex, could be skiing, could be surfing, could be, or all that, whatever. Am I now satisfied because of that, that I did? Is that satisfying me now? And did it satisfy me then? Was it a one-time event and I never wanted to do that again? That's proof that it's just not true. I'm still not satisfied because I did that. To me, the story of the, of the prostitute is very, is a very interesting one. Also, in terms of that, is also to me a representation of how, or or showing me and teaching me how to deal with lust. You know, you, and your mind that comes with all kinds of desires, like this prostitute came to Haridastakur and tempted him, and you know, how about this? And you can enjoy, you can enjoy in this way. And he was, he was not fighting her. He wasn't throwing her out. He just said, just wait a moment. Right now, I'm gonna chant my beads, and later, <laughs> I can think about you. Yeah. Later. Yeah. So I just. I will certainly satisfy your desires. Uh -huh. Yes, which is completely true, which you did. <laughs> Just her he desires changed. <laughs> he did completely, yeah. No, well, you, which shows, shows, you know, he had 100% faith in the power of the Holy Name. Yeah. You know, that, that's really the bottom line of that story. Yeah. You know, he didn't try to purify her. He didn't try to convince her with philosophy and et cetera, et cetera. He just, you know, very craftily arranged so she was in the presence of transcendental sound, you know, for an extended period of time, and it did everything, you know. So, and she was coming from a, a, a very... Dark or immoral or you know lust-filled profession, uh, and so she wasn't a good candidate, so to speak. She wasn't a seeker of the truth. No, I see what you mean. <laughs> she didn't come to him to ask for the truth, or no, to... she came to defame <laughs> him. She came there as business, you know, to to get you know rewarded for her seducing you know, this saintly person, and then, you know, having him caught in a compromised position and defame him and be rewarded for doing so. Which is, just goes to show whatever brings you to spiritual life is what, that's whatever yeah. brought you there. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe you could share the story from the start. I guess it should start with where are does that occur? Who is he and where did he appear and why and how? And <clears throat> yeah, well, it can be a long story, but we'll just make it somewhat brief. Is Haridas Thakur was born in a Muslim family in India, and this was in the 1400s. And uh, at that time, the Vedic system uh, socially, it was very strict. So the Muslim population was considered by the Hindus to be outcast. I mean, 
There, were, there was a, a social structure in the Vedic system from the Brahmins, the priests. They're on the highest echelon of the society. Mm-hmm. And then the Kshatriyas, and they're the kings and the, the leaders and the warriors and the protectors of society. And that was the next level down. And then the, the Vaishyas were the merchants, the farmers, etc. They were the providers of the society. And they were the next level down on the social ladder. And then there were the Sudras, and they were the servants, the laborer class, the blue-collar workers. <laughs> and they were on the lowest level of the Vedic system. But below that were the Muslims, see, and they were the complete untouchables. They, they weren't on, even on the list. So Haridas Thakur was born in a Muslim family. So from the Hindu point of view, he was an untouchable. But he was a saintly person, you know, from birth. And so his spiritual proclivity was the dominating force in his consciousness and in his life, see. So even though he's born in a Muslim family, he embraced the Vedic knowledge, and he followed that Vedic knowledge. Yeah, he didn't care about which team he belonged to and he who was going to join. He didn't belong to any or... team. He belonged to the, the, the spirit-soul team, so to speak, <laughs> you know, and... Yeah. So his his whole agenda was coming to know and love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to please the Lord. Not the Hindu God, not the Muslim God, but the universal one supreme person. And so he understood that the Vedic knowledge was the absolute knowledge, and that's that's what he he became educated in, followed, although he was very, very advanced from the beginning. It's not like he started from ground zero. But anyway, the point is, he was a great saintly person, Hmm. you know. And uh, so at one point, he built a hut in the forest, and he just lived in this hut. And he had taken a vow to chant 300,000 names of the Supreme Lord per day. (laughs) And that's what he was doing. And it was obvious that he was a very, very elevated, saintly person. And so he gained recognition from those who had the vision to see this. And so the the, um, Brahmins they were unhappy about this because here's a Muslim who's, you know, getting recognition as a great saintly person. And this was taking, you know, wind out of their sails. They were very envious. See, so Ramachandra Khan, one of the, the leaders of this envious group, you know, was so against Haridas Thakur, that he wanted to defame him. He wanted to actually ruin his life, his yeah. prestige, his, his fame, etc. So he 
came up with a scheme to hire a prostitute to go into Haridas Thakur's, you know, hut and seduce him. And then he had men, his scheme was to have men in place, and when this took place, they would rush in, catch this great saint in this compromised position with a prostitute, mm. and that would ruin him. So he collected the, the, the most famous prostitutes of the area and explained his plan to them, and one prostitute said, I can do this. I will take this duty on. <laughs> so she was very, very expert at her profession, very, very beautiful, etc. So she went to Haridas Thakur, and she approached very coyly. She before prepared very nicely with all the perfumes and the elaborate dress and, and all the makeup and everything to be the most attractive that she could be. And anyway, she came to him and, and you know, just kind of, you know, <laughs> came on the scene and so, but in a very shy way, not very, you know, just force her way in, but very modest, etc. And anyway, she sat there for a little, and he's chanting the mantras, you know, just focused completely. But he welcomed her, and, you know, being the gentleman that he was, and so she expressed, you know, her desire that she was so attracted to him, and she just said that burning desire to be with him. And he said, yes, I understand. I respect your desire, but I have taken a vow to chant a certain number of names of the Lord, you know, and I haven't finished that number for today. And therefore, I will be with you when I finished. If you will just be patient and wait, when I'm finished, I will certainly satisfy your desire. And so she waited and basically waited throughout the night. And dawn came, and this spoiled the whole mood, etc. And so she was ready to leave, and he said, I, I apologize completely that I didn't, you know, have time for you, but come tomorrow night, and I can certainly fulfill your desire. So she went back, and she told, you know, the perpetrator of all of this plot, you know, what had happened, and she said, but, you know, he has promised to, you know, fulfill my desire tonight yeah. yeah so i will go back and he was going to send me and she said no 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 let me go alone you know so she went alone but now there, there's a sacred plant called the tulsi plant mm. it's a very spiritual you know plant and it was a, a tulsi plant in front of haridas takur's hut and it's it's you know spiritual etiquette, spiritual, you know, rule, really, 
when you come to a Potosi plant to pay your respects. So when the prostitute came, she paid her respects to the Tulsi plant. Then she went in and Haridastaku is again chanting, you know, his number for the time. And she again, <clears throat> you know, it was obvious what she was there for. And he said, you know, I've taken a vow to chant a certain number of names this month. And I thought I would be finished, but I am still in deficit. So if you can please again just wait, you know, when I finish, I will be with you. And so she sat there and she not only was listening to him chanting, but she began to chant along with him as well. And so again the night passed and the dawn comes and she says, she's ready to go. And he again apologized, but by now, you know, it's a completely different person. She goes back and tells the, but I will fulfill your desires. Please come again tomorrow. For sure, I will be finished. <laughs> so when she tells, you know, this, this Brahmin, jealous, envious guy, <laughs> you know, don't yeah. worry, everything will be done tonight. <laughs> so she goes back. <clears throat> and same story, but now she comes, pays her basis to the Tulsi plant, goes in, sits down, and chants with Haridas Thakur. Oh. And now she's very, very attracted and immersed in the chanting herself. She's getting great happiness from this. So at, at the end of the night, she... Pays her obeisances to Haridas Thakur, surrenders to him, confesses that the whole thing was a plot. She apologizes profusely, and he says, I know. You know, I was ready to leave this hut before you came, but I understand, I understood the whole scheme. And I stayed here an extra three days for your benefit. So you could be recipient of the, the purification of chanting the holy names, he said. Mm -hmm. And now that you have become, you know, purified by this whole uh, time of hearing and now even chanting these names, now I am going to leave. I'm going to give you my hut <laughs> and you can live here and continue to chant the names of the Lord, live a very simple life, worship the Tulsi plant, etc. <laughs> and he left. And she did that. And he said, also, go, before you come here to live, go and give away all your possessions. Of course, she was quite profitable prostitute. So oh. she had possessions. She had all the the wonderful clothes and everything that would come with that profession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She went back, gave it all away, came back, moved into the hut, and lived simply by eating raw rice. She became an absolute monastic ascetic. And <laughs> the word got around that this prostitute had become come a great devotee under the influence of Haridas Thakur, and chanting the holy names. 
And so people used to come to her, you know, for her blessings, for her guidance. She became a famous saintly person. Wow. <laughs> and, of course, Ramachandra Khan, he became completely defeated in his scheme. And the story goes on, and we, we won't go to that mm. part of the story. Mm. But it was such an offense against a great saint, Haridas Thakur, that this is called Vaishnava Aparad, or offense against the saintly person. And therefore, he suffered greatly in the future because of this. See? Mm. He had to, to undergo great suffering. But, you know, the beauty is that when the prostitute came, she did not come in, as a person seeking spiritual enlightenment. <laughs> she came from the opposite to defame this great saintly person. Because, number one, she would be greatly rewarded by yeah, Ramachandra yeah, Khan, yeah. and etc., you know. And so, therefore, she was the least qualified. I mean, like, <laughs> she had no good qualities. But, yeah. but Haridas Thakur knew the scheme before because these... You know, like Haridas Thakur had, had spiritual vision. He had spiritual understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was fully in contact with the Lord in the heart, who knows everything. Yeah. And so he was fully informed, and he stayed so she could be purified. This is the mercy <laughs> of, the, of, of the great devotee of the Lord. And he didn't get angry. I mean, the natural reaction could be, you're coming there to defame me. <laughs> and no. What's... No, no and anger. he didn't try to protect himself no, at all. No, exactly. You know, he was displaying absolute humility. He didn't try to preach to her. He didn't say, I know what you're up to. Yeah. Da, 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 da. He just arranged it so perfectly that she heard him, the pure devotee of the Lord, chanting the names of the Lord, with full absolute potency for that whole night and the next night and the next night. And three nights later, she had been purified of all of her lusty desires, all of her material agendas, her envy, her everything, you see, her evil nature that was manifesting everything, and became a great devotee of the Lord. See, her heart had been completely cleansed via the chanting of the holy names. And Haridas Thakur knew, he had absolute faith that this was all that was necessary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And her desire has changed. He, I mean, he respected her desires even. He said, like he said, I hear you. I, I see you. I understand this is your desire, and I will, for sure, I will satisfy your desires. It just happened that her desires changed <laughs> yeah. in those days. And he fulfilled her real desire exactly. of yeah. happiness, satisfaction, and love for the Lord. <laughs> so the devotee always tells you the truth. I will satisfy your desire. 
Yeah. Please just sit. Yeah. You know. No lying, no cheating, just Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful story. Mm. And Haridas Thakur was on the planet before Lord Chaitanya appeared. See, he was the elder of Lord Chaitanya. And he was a contemporary of Adoita Acharya. And Adoita Acharya was the great Vaishnava saint who actually appealed to the Lord to please appear to save the people of the Kali Yuga at that time because they were so materialistic. And their use of the Vedas and the chanting of mantras was not for spiritual purification, not for the pleasure of the Lord, but for material profit, see. Mm -hmm. So they chanted at weddings, they chanted at funerals, they chanted at birth ceremonies, etc., all for material profit, mm -hmm. see, to get good karma, to get good material results, see. So he saw them taking the, the Vedic knowledge and the mantras and misusing them for material gain. They didn't know that they were spirit soul, eternally servants of the supreme soul, and that their purpose in life was to please the Lord. They had a completely materialistic vision, and they were suffering as a result and out of compassion for them, for their well-being. He appealed to the Lord to please appear. See, that was the Doita Acharya. And he worshipped the Lord with cries, please come. He worshipped with the, the, the leaf of the Tulsi plant and water from the Ganges. Hmm. And the Lord heard his plea and came and appeared as Lord Goranga to save the people of the Kali Yuga through hearing and chanting of the names of God, Harinama. But Haridas Thakur appeared prior to that. So he was a harbinger for Lord Chaitanya, really. I mean, you know, he was, he didn't become converted or convinced or purified by Lord Chaitanya. He was before Lord Chaitanya. And he was such an authority on the chanting of the holy names that Lord Chaitanya, Lord Goranga, officially declared him to be the Nama Acharya, the foremost authority on the chanting of the holy names. See? And so, you know, it's, it's all so wonderful that, you know, Lord Chaitanya actually... The Lord himself, Lord Chaitanya, was, you know, the most recent incarnation of the Supreme Person, accepted Haridas Dakur as the Namacharya, and he, you know, acted as his, you know, follower, his disciple, his, you know, I'm your student, you know. So he asked him to please explain the glories of the holy name. Mm -hmm. and, and there was a conversation between Lord Goranga, Lord Chaitanya, and Haridas Thakur. It's recorded in a wonderful scripture known as the Harinama Chintamani. Mm -hmm. And Lord Chaitanya is asking Haridas Thakur questions about the holy name. 
And Haridas Thakur is informing the Lord of all the answers to his questions. So there's no question about the, the validity of the chanting of the holy names. Yeah. And the wonder and the power and, and, and the result. Yeah. And, and the prostitute is, is that personified. And just a just a minor point, but perhaps a minor point. I don't know that I was thinking about is so when we have these lusty desires that we don't want to have that come into our minds, and that we should act in the same way, not try to push them out or hate them, but respect them and just focus our attention on the mantras and say, okay, I'm going to think about you later. That's a wonderful strategy to deal with the mind. It's just to say, not not fight it, not fight against. Just say, okay, I'll think about you later. I'll I'll deal with you later. But now I'm gonna chant the mantras, and <laughs> that later yeah. might not come. <laughs> but it's yeah. it's a great way to. <laughs> or when it comes, like the prostitute came back three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, later. <laughs> <laughs> think it's not going to come back. I mean, reality yeah, is. Yeah, I see. Those desires will, you know, it says in <laughs> Bhagavad Gita, you know, like an incessant, the desires come like uh, rivers, incessant flow of desires come like rivers flowing into the ocean. Yeah. yeah. You know? But we don't have to become their victim. We don't have to fall victim to them. Yeah. You know, follow them, think they'll satisfy us, be under the illusion. If I do this, I'll be satisfied. See, yeah. that's the catch right there. <laughs> that's the catch, Ruben. <laughs> because the illusion is, okay, I want it so bad. If I do it, then it'll be. I'll be satisfied and then I'll be done with it. <laughs> yeah. You know? But that's an illusion. See? So if we're free of that illusion, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, they're going to come. You don't have to be disturbed by them. And if you're disturbed, it's a minimal disturbance. Chant the holy names and disturbance will become less and less. You know? You know, we're not trying to be like the ocean, like the perfect saint who, no matter what comes, I'm, I'm just calm and peaceful and never disturbed. I mean, if we're like that, hallelujah. But reality is it's probably not like that for most of us, right? <laughs> I, I, I just made me think about something I remember before I came to chanting. I, I was reading a, a book on some, some other philosophy and, and uh, it was picturing this guy who was uh, in some kind of deep Zen meditation and they were describing how these people they were so in a meditative state that you could you could fire off a, a gun in next to them and they wouldn't even react. And I thought, man, I want to be like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> that, that was my mm. <laughs> idea. Yeah, of, yeah. <laughs> but, mm. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be. I you, mean, you we have, have to, to deal yeah. with reality, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. be here now kind of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That would be good, but, <laughs> you know, but, you know, the more you, you chant and the more you, you know, just take shelter in the holy names, then the less those disturbing thoughts disturb you, 
You know, they disturb us less and less. You know, and, and the illusion is, is, is gone. If I do this, I'm still going to be disturbed. I'm still going to not be satisfied. So, you know, free of that illusion, you're not so vulnerable. Mm. You know, but if you're in that illusion, then you're totally vulnerable. So gradually we just go on. Okay, think of every think of every wonderful sensual experience you ever had. Whatever it is. Could be sex, could be skiing, could be surf, could be or all that. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh-huh. And think, okay, am I now satisfied because of that that I did? Is that satisfying me now? See? And did it satisfy me then? Was it a one-time event and I never wanted to do that again? <laughs> you know? And it, it, that's, that's proof that it's just not true. Yeah. You know? I've done all those things multiple times and I'm still not satisfied because I did that. <laughs> you know? It's <laughs> true. Just itch, itching, I mean, itching mom, more. <laughs> uh-huh. My mom was, you know, she was... She was kind of a philosopher in her own right. And, you know, I was always doing stuff, you know. So I'd go out and I'd do whatever I did all day, you know. And I'd come in, but I'm just coming in to, to eat and change clothes to go out that night and do more. And she'd say, aren't you satisfied? I just did this all day long. I said, no, that's over. <laughs> now I got... Tonight I got to go do something. Well, you did that last night. Aren't, doesn't, doesn't that still last today? Because she was real simple. I mean, my mom was so simple. She didn't go out and do fun things. Uh-huh. Her fun was just, you know, her staying home and taking care of the family and wow. my father and so on. Like that. I mean, she was really, really just that's, simple. That's impressive. And my dad, that's... too, you know. Uh-huh. So she couldn't get it. Oh, you just did all that stuff last night, did all day today. Why you got to do more tonight? You know, she just couldn't relate. She could sit around and just think, oh, wow, that was so nice what I did when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the point is, it never satisfies you. It never does. You know? And gradually you start understanding that. You know, okay, maybe you'll say, well, the chanting didn't satisfy me either. Well, just chant again, because that's a good thing. Chanting is not a, not a, any way negative, it's a positive. And the more you chant, the more it purifies you, and the more, I mean, Haridas Thakur chanted, you know, 300,000 names a day. And then he said, oh, that's enough. He just, but he kept doing it. And, and he got more and more satisfaction from it mm. you see he it wasn't like he was trying to just okay that's enough now i don't have to ever do it again because he was getting more and more pleasure from doing it yeah so, so there's so many points here because that's you know? that that's that's the real world is that when you when the pleasure is never ending but <laughs> that's the spiritual pleasure and you, you're, 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 and, uh, moving, yeah. You're, yeah. And that's a pleasure that is different. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
it's a different pleasure. You know, you burn out on material pleasure so easily. Yeah. You know, like that video, uh, I mean, that, that movie that Vishnu Das and Gopala Dasi made, that part two, where they let those guys eat all those waffles that Hovar makes. <laughs> yeah. You know, as many as they want. It's free. You can come. And, and these waffles are amazing. I never actually had one, but I've heard, you know, as far as taste on the tongue, I mean, they're like highest level. And so these guys came and, and they, they just started, yeah, man, these things are great. I can do this all day. But after a couple of those things, they're big and they're very rich. <laughs> the guys couldn't eat anymore because that pleasure just was gone. It returned, it turned into pain. Yeah. You know, the but pleasure turns into pain. All material pleasure turns into pain sooner or later. Whereas spiritual pleasure turns into ever-increasing happiness. And these waffles, they still wanted more. The tongue still wanted more. It's, 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 uh, it's really a bummer because uh, the first taste of that apple pie or whatever you're eating is really the best. And then you're thinking that the next bite you're going to take will be just as satisfying, but it's never <laughs> as satisfying. <Yeah. laughs> the more when you the eat guy's the... throwing up in the garbage can in the movie, <laughs> you know, he was, he was convinced, I don't want any more. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, I guess our time's up. We've yeah, we've kind of yeah, yeah. run through the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was Thanks. nice little direction to go in. Today. One, this is just wonderful inspiration, and yeah, these stories to me at least are very very inspiring to see how things can be because we have so much poor examples in today's society. So I think we need some good examples and and on behavior and the manners and on morals yeah. basically yeah that's right yeah. So. the glories of the holy name the, the the moral standards that you know almost don't exist exactly all all that is is for our our well-being this is this is what's good for us you see you'll never have to go to rehab from living this kind of lifestyle Okay, so Goranga Haribo, that's the mantra.
I just thought of while we were chanting about Haridas Thakur, put him in a very unique position. Mm -hmm. I already explained he was born in a Muslim family, so the Hindus didn't accept him. But he was following what the Muslims considered Hindu practices. <laughs> so therefore, they didn't accept him. So from both sides, he was rejected. <laughs> he didn't care. He wasn't playing any social game. He wasn't playing any, oh, like me game. He just did what he knew he should be doing with his life, and exactly. that's glorifying the Lord. Exactly. You know, carrying on with his spiritual focus on serving and pleasing the Supreme Lord. Yeah. And that's, again, another example of Haridas Thakur that is magnificent. Yeah. See, not trying to please this side, not trying to please that side, not trying to fit in somewhere. Oh, no, just my 
service to the Lord, pleasing the Lord, that's 100%. That's all. I always end the podcast with saying, stay true to yourself and dare to break trail. And that's yeah. it. You just stay there true. Stay true to your heart. Yeah. So. Yeah. We could carry that somewhere, but we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. I'll write it down in the in the <laughs> potential talks <laughs> topics. So yeah. thank you everybody who's joining us. Thank you for supporting our channel. Be sure to subscribe and tell others. Yeah. Thank you, Bill again. And I'll see yeah. you. Yeah. We'll see you. Next time. Next time. Namaste, Haribo. Haribo. Haribo.